Thanks to uh, our choir for gracing us with their talents and their gifts for music and blessing us in uh, a good way this morning. We're continuing with our sermon series, Getting Off the Bus in Corinth, and I might uh, speak just a little more about how I came up with that title and uh, what we are trying to do as we we move uh, on our journey for the next uh, several weeks through Corinth, through Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Uh, The first sermon, not the first sermon I ever preached, but the first sermon that I ever preached in seminary uh, was, uh, had this title, Getting Off the Bus in Corinth. And I really, uh, as I was evaluated later, uh, my seminary prof- uh, professor told me it sounded like I had two different sermons. Uh, he said the first part of the sermon, I wasn't sure you were ever going to get off the bus. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but when you finally did, it was pretty good, so... Uh, but I preached, uh, yeah, the, uh, from Corinthians. Uh, I remember, uh, you could always tell at our seminary when somebody had to preach in chapel or in uh, homiletics class because we were required to wear uh, a suit or coat and tie. And so we, uh, on our campus of about 1,100 students or so, it was very easy to identify uh, those who were going to preach. We stuck out uh, like sore thumbs as we walked around the campus with our coats and ties on. And uh, we would usually get all kinds of comments about, uh, about what we were going to preach on. And good luck was a, was a common uh, theme in that, in that endeavor. But uh, that's getting off the bus in Corinth. That's how I came up with it the title for the series. And so as we continue this morning, hear these words from 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 18 through 31. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak 
in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing the things that are, so that one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that As it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That is God's word for us this morning. Well, Paul, it sounds like, and I guess we could uh, be trapped, so to speak, into the idea that he despised wisdom, that he uh, disparaged those who were wise. That's not what Paul is talking about, Paul is talking about what we trust in. Do we trust in our own wisdom? A great tradition uh, in the disciples of Christ is that we uh, read scripture and we think and believe that God uh, wants us to reason, to use our minds, to experience that scripture in our hearts, but to use our minds as we read as we interpret, as we try to understand what God is seeking to reveal to us through God's word and through God's uh, provision made for us through God's son, Jesus Christ. So Paul is not saying uh, that it's bad to be wise. Don't use your minds. But Paul is saying that you don't trust in the things of this world, that the things that we think are true or think will always be true, uh, oftentimes, in fact, every time, uh, tend to prove not to be the case. So consider that in the wisdom of the world, just back uh, in the 1980s, uh, Sears was the number one retailer in the world. And uh, they were so large that it was difficult to imagine that they would be anything but the largest retailer in the world for the uh, largest consuming nation in the world. But not too many years later, Kmart, of all retail operations, Kmart became larger. Kmart uh, merged with Sears. And even then, the idea was, the wisdom of the world was, this is a mega force in retail. It will be hard to displace them for decades to come. They'll be number one for a long, long time. And it wasn't but a few years later that Walmart became number one. And Walmart is still number one right now. But I don't think it's too difficult for many of us to imagine that Amazon, who's the number one online retailer in the world, that Amazon may someday, may maybe... Uh, soon 
will displace Walmart. That's the wisdom of the world. People tracking or looking at things that uh, seem to make and do make, you know, that are, are verifiable. This is number one. And in our wisdom, we believe that will always be the case. But that's not really going to change. Not significantly, anyway. Or, think about social media. Now, some of you, uh, perhaps many of you, are old enough to remember AOL. Remember that? America Online, uh, the one that it really introduced our country to uh, email, uh, by far, you know, as, as the um, uh, social media emerged, by far the largest uh, player in that game. And now, well, we'll just do a, a quick survey. If you've got an email address, okay, how many of you have an AOL email address? One person, uh, two people, Mike Rubish, you still have any, an AOL address, okay. Well, there's Gmail, you've got, you've got all kinds of options. You don't even have to have one of the big ones. If you email the church, if you email me, my email address is fcclaf.org. We've gone from AOL to Google to Facebook to Instagram to Twitter. The world has changed rapidly. And in the wisdom of the world, it's hard to keep up with all those changes. So Paul is not saying that wisdom is a bad thing. But he's saying be careful. Be careful what you trust in. And what he's explicitly saying is don't trust in the wisdom of the world. Paul's not suggesting that we don't use our God-given minds. He is saying that God's power and God's wisdom are what ultimately transforms all of God's creation. So, in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, verses 5 through 8, the prophet can say to us, Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals, who make flesh their strength, who listen to people who say, I'm the one that can fix it. I'm the only one that knows how. They shall be those who trust in things in human wisdom. They shall... Be like a shrub in the desert. They shall not see relief when the heat comes. They'll lie, live, be like a, a living and parched place in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed, he goes on to say, are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by living water. And so Paul's pointing us in Corinthians to living water, to God's wisdom. God's wisdom, wisdom given to us through the, through the cross. See, the temptation 
for us is to transform Christianity and make it uh, conform to a set of rules, to a set of regulations, to our wisdom, wisdom that's not trustworthy, but to conform and, and transform, if you will, Christianity to a set of rules. If you do this, you'll get that. If you don't believe this, then you can't be Christian. If you don't worship like we worship, there's something wrong with you. Now, we're good at that in the United States, particularly. There are 350 denominations in this country. 350 different ways. That's not counting the non-denominational churches, which are the fastest growing part of the church in the United States right now. Churches that are not affiliated with any denomination. Now, in the Christian church, disciples of, of Christ, we've said for, uh, since our beginnings that those kind of divisions are sinful. They're not wise. Making creeds the standard for how we relate to Jesus Christ because Christianity isn't a set of rules and regulations It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. God calls us into that relationship. Not into a set of rules, regulations. So, in the Christian church, we make what we call affirmations, confessions of faith. Let me ask you to get your hymnal. And turn to 355. Disciples' affirmation. This is from the design of the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, the United States and Canada. And I'm not going to read all of it. You may want to scan down. But here's the affirmation. We confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and proclaim Him Lord and Savior of the world. We affirm the wisdom of God, that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the Savior of the world, that God through Christ is the one who transforms who renews our life, who gives us new life. We rejoice in God, maker of heaven and earth, and in the covenant of love which binds us to God and to one another. We make those affirmations, affirming the same thing that Paul affirmed, to the church in Corinth. Human wisdom is not what is going to save us, renew us, transform us. We know God's power 
in wisdom through relationship. Through relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And in the cross, Paul tells us, it's in the cross that we find God's wisdom. Jesus told us something about what that wisdom is on the way to the cross. So he said in Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 43, this wisdom of God. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. That's God's wisdom. Love your enemies and pray for those who you fear who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven for he makes his sun shine on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what what reward do you have? Do not even those who are unbelievers. Do not even those do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are they doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we're called beyond what the worldly wisdom says to us. Hate your enemies. Revile them. Fear them. And God's wisdom says, no, that's not the way this world is going to uh, continue to thrive and, and survive. What God says to us through Jesus Christ is your first obligation is to love everybody. The wisdom of the cross. Well, Paul expands on what he's telling us here in 1 Corinthians when he talks to the church in Colossae. Third chapter, verse 12 and following. As God's chosen ones, you're the church, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Clothe yourselves with these characteristics, with these qualities. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive them. Just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also, also must forgive. That's the relationship that God calls you to. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called as the church, the body of Christ. Be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, Admonish one another in love. 
admonish each other in all wisdom, in God's love. You see something that's wrong? Speak out. Speak about it. But do it in love. Not fear. Not hate. Whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thanks be to God the Father through Him. The wisdom of the world tells us things that are quite different than that, about how we're not, only, not to live with one another, but how we are to uh, survive. How we can create distance and boundaries and Make sure we're protected. But God through Christ Jesus said to us, I'm going to reach out to you through Jesus the Son. And what the cross says to us is you can do your absolute worst. You can be the worst person. We can be the worst people that you can possibly be. What can be worse than hanging God's son on a cross. Than executing God's son. Human wisdom dictated that. That's the way to get rid of this problem. We'll kill it. But here's God's wisdom. From the cross, Jesus says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And we still, oftentimes, many times, most of the time, we still don't know what we're doing. Forgive them. And then in the power of the resurrection, God proves the promise that he has made to us through Christ Jesus to be true. For when Christ comes to us in the power of the resurrection, he doesn't come in wrath, He doesn't come saying, you're going to get yours now. Look what you did to me. You killed me, and now your time has come. Now, in the power of the resurrection, Jesus Christ comes to us and says, fear not. I love you. Fear not, you're my chosen ones, holy and beloved. Fear not. You're forgiven people. Fear not, you can do better through a relationship with me that brings you into greater relationship with each other, with the world, with everything that God hopes for us as God's people. That's God's wisdom. That's the wisdom wisdom of the cross. That's the wisdom for you and for me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. Not just for us, but for this world. Lord, help us to remember that you've given us the way to change. You've given us the way to transform. You've given us the way to live with each other. Lord, deepen our relationship with you through Christ Jesus. 
And God, help us to be a light that reflects that relationship, that reflects that love in this community and in this world. For it's in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of commitment.